Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we come together to meditate. This is part of our group learning program where each Sunday and Wednesday we get together right here online in order to share the teachings of the Buddha. On Sundays, we're going through this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, and we cover a chapter each Sunday. We just did chapter 22, so this Sunday we'll be on chapter 23. And then on Wednesdays, I teach meditation and Buddhist chanting. And I've done that already in this program where I've taught breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and Buddhist chanting. I did four four four-part series on each one of those. And now we're at the part of our program where we're just rotating between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. So today we're doing loving kindness meditation together. And what I'm going to do is guide you guys in first doing chanting. If you'd like to chant, you're welcome to chant along. Then we're going to do a breathing mindfulness meditation session where it's just probably going to be about five minutes or so just to kind of ease the mind deeper into meditation and ultimately get into loving kindness meditation where I will guide you in loving kindness meditation. Then we'll come out of that by going back to breathing mindfulness meditation and then back to chanting if you would like to do the chanting. So I'd like to welcome all of you, whether you've been joining us regularly or this is your first time, welcome to everyone. And because I never know who might be new in these classes or who might be watching or listening for the first time, I'll just take a moment to review what it is that I typically teach for loving kindness meditation so that you can understand how I teach loving kindness meditation. So as I mentioned, we start out with the chants, then we go into breathing mindfulness meditation, and then with loving kindness meditation, I will guide you in these affirmations. And I will say these out loud, but you repeat those in your mind as you breathe out on your out breath. So there's four statements. It starts with, may I be peaceful, and then may I be safe. May I be well, and may I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. This is done on an out breath. So you're going to breathe out gradually and naturally, which we'll have established in breathing mindfulness meditation. And you repeat this affirmation in the mind. And then there'll be a nice gradual inhale. And then on the out breath, once again, you're going to go to the next affirmation. May I be safe. And we'll go through successive rings. We're going to start with I, and then we move out in an outward direction until we ultimately get to all beings. 
And you start with this being who you are now because it will be very difficult to have loving kindness and compassion for others if you didn't first cultivate that for yourself. So this meditation is designed to transform the anger, the hatred, the ill will, that negative self-talk, the resentfulness, the way that the mind has this bitterness and hostility towards others. So instead of that, what you're doing is you're working to transform the mind to cultivate this loving kindness or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, this active goodwill. And this is how you do it with loving kindness meditation and then other aspects of the Eightfold Path as well, which includes right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. All of these together with loving kindness meditation and breathing mindfulness meditation and all the comprehensive teachings that the Buddha shared on this path to enlightenment is working to transform the mind. And one of the things you're working to transform is that anger, that hatred, that ill will. So as we do our loving kindness meditation today, it's not a quick fix. It doesn't work where you just snap your fingers and all your hatred is gone. It's a gradual wearing away of this fetter or taint or pollution of mind that is referred to as ill will. When this ill will is fully eliminated, there won't be any beings at all in the entire world that you either hate or have frustration towards or that you even have the slightest dislike towards. You'll be able to just have loving kindness for every single being in the world. But that only works when you gradually develop your practice and you're doing this on a consistent long-term basis. So while I'm going to create a meditation that is kind of general that applies to all of us since I'm going to be guiding you in meditation, what you would like to do is include in your meditation rings of individuals or groups of individuals that you do have anger towards or hate or ill will, or you do get frustrated when you're around these people or these beings, or you do have dislike towards certain individuals. This is what's going to help transform your mind. That is how you move it from this anger, hatred, ill will and move it towards this loving kindness where you can have a genuine interest for all beings to be well. And ultimately, as you completely transform the mind, there won't be anyone at all that you have any ill will towards. But it takes time to gradually work in that direction. So what I'd like to do before I actually go into meditation is pause to see if there's any questions. You can ask questions through the Facebook group, the YouTube, or in Zoom by just putting those into the comment section. Or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like. Uh, it does not appear we have any other questions at this time, sir. Okay. So if you'd like to go ahead and take a meditation position, either seated, standing, or lying, these are all great positions for the loving kindness meditation. Then with your body comfortable, if you're in the seated position, that means your lower body is nice and comfortable. Your hands and arms are resting in your lap, either with your hand over each other with the thumbs together, or perhaps with your palms on your thighs or your knees, maybe your palms up. Essentially, the lower body and the hands and arms should be completely relaxed without any muscles engaged whatsoever. The upper body 
This should be erect, not real rigid and not slouched. It should be erect. This keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. Then just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Here, you're just establishing the breath. And you can stay here with the breath if you like, or you're welcome to join along in the chants. Establishing a nice, natural, steady, consistent breath. Breathing in. Out. 
breathing in and out. With the breath established, start focusing the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath, or sensation of air moving into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. With the mind fixated on the breath, whenever the mind moves off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in, in, out.
Continuing to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. When you get to the next out breath, repeat these affirmations in the mind. May I be peaceful. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. come into contact with regularly, be peaceful. safe. May 
may they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I've never met be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all those who have harmed me be peaceful. May they be safe.
they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who I've harmed be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all beings be peaceful. May they be safe.
May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Now go back to focusing on the breath and breathing mindfulness meditation. Breathing in in out. Ara Sama
วันหังอภิวาเตมีสวาคาตมหาเควาตาตัมโมดามังนามาสามีสุปฏิปันโนมหาเควาตโตสาวกสังโฆสังขังนามามิณปมรสาภาเกวโตอาราโตสมมาสัพุตสานับโมรสาภาเกวโตอาราตโตสมมาสัพุตสานับโมรสาภาเกวโตอาราตโตสมมาสัพุตสาอิติปิโสมหาเกวาอาราหังสัมมาสัมโตวิจจารณังสัมโนสกาตโรกาวิตุอนุเตโรภูริสาดามาสติสัตตาวามานุสนังปุตโตปากวัติIf you guys would like to make your way out of meditation, all right. So as I was mentioning before, meditation is this meditation that we do is very general, very basic because I'm guiding all of you guys together, and I'd like to do affirmations that are applicable to all of us. But it's important that you customize this meditation for your specific needs. So. If you're having anger, hatred towards your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your life partner, your children, your neighbor, your coworkers, your boss, any of these people, you should have them included in your meditation because this meditation is to transform your mind. It's to move your mind from anger, hatred, ill will towards loving kindness, and this is going to be gradual. The Buddha talks about how it's. Very challenging to know how much of these fetters have been eliminated at any one particular time, but once it's completely eliminated, you know that 
and this is what the Buddha describes, because you'll know when ill will is completely uprooted because you'll never experience any anger for an extended period of time. You'll go one year, two years, three years, not having any anger, not having any frustration or dislike towards anyone. There'll be no resentment. Any of that stuff and all of that stuff will be completely eliminated from the mind. And you'll be able to see that the mind is coming into this peacefulness and this joy where you enjoy being around people. And you'll just know that, okay, you know, you're completely comfortable with people and you're completely comfortable being alone as well. The mind can be peaceful and joyful regardless. So what I'd like to do is open up to any questions that you guys might have related to meditation, either breathing mindfulness, loving kindness, or any of the other meditations that I teach. Or if you have any questions related to anything on the path to enlightenment, you're more than welcome to ask any and all questions that you like. Yes, sir. Um, on Zoom, Kayla has a question. When doing loving kindness meditation, if you have dislike for someone, can you repeat the same ring a few times before moving on to the next ring to really focus on the areas that need improvement? Yes, that's really wise to do that, whether it's yourself or it's other people. If you get to a certain ring that you're having challenges with, you can do that multiple times. In fact, you might even just do you and one other person if you're having a really hard time. I talk about how I used to do this in the past with my mom, and I also had negative self-talk and self-hatred for this being David, so I used to just do loving kindness for myself over and over and over and over again, maybe three, four, five times, and then go to my mom three, four, five times, and then all beings and done from there. So yes, you can do that, Kayla. Yes, thank you, sir. And then on YouTube, Tonka asks, could you talk a bit about this? With a rising of volitional formations, there is a rising of consciousness. How does it happen and is there a way to verify this? Yeah, so what you're describing is part of dependent origination, where the very beginning of dependent origination is ignorance, the unknowing of true reality. This is not knowing the natural laws of existence. This is not knowing the natural law of gamma. This is not knowing the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, not understanding how to train the mind. So many things on this path to enlightenment. It, it really encompasses all of that. And when there's ignorance or this unknowing of true reality, then there's going to be volitional formations, which are choices and decisions. These are going to be informed by this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality. We're going to make unwise decisions in life that are going to lead to unwholesome outcomes. And then because of those unwise decisions, it's going to lead to consciousness, meaning a new birth is going to come about. It's going to lead to a renewed consciousness. What dependent origination is explaining all the way through all 12 links is, is explaining how discontentedness comes to be and it's explaining how birth comes to be. How does one come into existence? So the way that you can confirm that this ignorance and this unwise decisions is leading to renewed consciousness and a consciousness is right now. Do you have ignorance and unknowing of true reality in the mind? Yes. Do you make unwise decisions that lead to unwholesome outcomes? Well, if the mind's unenlightened, the answer is yes. Is there a consciousness there? Yes. So you can see right there 
that one leads to the next to the next because there's a consciousness that you have and there are unwise decisions that you're making. So you are a living being in existence. So right now you're representing all 12 of those links so you can see them in the mind for themselves. And then when you get to more and more enlightenment where the mind is now transformed that ignorance to wisdom, now you can see that your volitional formations, your choices and decisions are always based in generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, which is the three wholesome roots. And now there's no unwholesome results whatsoever. Your mind is no longer discontent. You've completely uprooted all the 10 fetters. There's no more discontentedness in the mind. And then you can have confidence that there's not going to be another consciousness, that there's not going to be another rebirth because dependent origination is showing you that with ignorance, discontentedness exists. Well, when you eliminate discontentedness and you know that there's no more discontentedness, which you'll have to eliminate ignorance and all the other 10 fetters in order to get to elimination of discontentedness, then you can have complete confidence that you have unraveled this entire linking of dependent origination. Yes, thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, see, Tony has his hand up. Let's go to him for his question. Thank you, Miranda. Yes, Teacher David. Um, the last couple, up until this past week and the last couple of weeks, I've been experiencing quite a bit of anxiety in my body, like like just ten tension and anxiety. And then on the weekends, that seemed to have changed, or, or last week it seemed to have changed to a sadness. There was a couple of days there when meditating and so on, I sort of had the sadness feeling. And then the last two or three days, I've been very angry. Uh, uh, I even had my life partner mention to me that, uh, why am I so angry? And, and I, I can't sort of figure this out. I wonder if you've got any, uh, any suggestions for me. Thank you, sir. Sure. What you need to do is you need to look at what's going on in the mind at the time that there's anger or there's anxiety or these other feelings, there's gonna be some craving, desire, attachment. There's gonna be some mental longing and strong eagerness. Something that the mind wants and it's not getting it because what you're explaining, the anxiety, the anger, this is all painful feelings. So there's something that the mind's not getting. And if you can identify that, then you can also look at the other side too. And when you do get that, Let's just say, let's just use a silly example. Let's just say you normally eat chocolate every day and you get all these pleasant feelings and you get so happy and excited and now you haven't had chocolate today. So now your mind, you're walking around angry. Well, when you realize that, ah, I didn't eat chocolate today, that's the reason why I'm angry. Okay, so now what you do is you go longer and longer periods of time of not eating chocolate. And then ultimately, when you do decide to eat chocolate someday, you don't allow the mind to get these pleasant feelings as you're eating the chocolate or as you're even thinking about eating chocolate. Because in order to get rid of the painful feelings, you have to get ahead of the curve by observing the pleasant feelings and ensure that you're not allowing the mind to get that temporary happiness, excitement, elation, those conditioned feelings. Because that's what's leading ultimately to the painful feelings is that the mind's getting some pleasant feelings. If you would like to talk more detail, Tony, about what's going on, more detail, you can either here or privately, but I would need to you know, know what else is going on in your life to be able to help you pinpoint 
the craving desire attachments, but that's what you would like to do is figure out which craving desire attachment is the mind longing and yearning for so that you can then work to eliminate them. Excellent. I'll do that. I'll reach out to you, sir. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Yes, sir. Uh, there's a question about while practicing the meditation of non-self, there have been periods of time where during the meditation, there's an almost overwhelming feeling of fear during the meditation that's cut off and let go after the meditation would that be a wise time to sit and reflect on what arose that fear what craving desire or attachment caused the mind to become discontent in that way so if you're doing the meditation to realize non-self and you're experiencing fear even anxiety and and stress, this is completely normal. This means that it's actually working because when you're letting go of the personal existence view, it almost feels like you're walking off of a cliff and there's nothing there to catch you. And the mind becomes very fearful because you're letting go of all this self-image and self-identity, all the things that the mind's been holding onto for all these years, thinking that this is who you are as a person. And you start letting that go and it's almost like walking into a dark tunnel and you don't know if there's a train coming or not, or you're walking off of a cliff and just falling off of a cliff. So where you experience that fear in the meditation to realize non-self, that's why, because you're letting go of an attachment, because the mind is craving and yearning to hold on to that self, because that's where it's getting its pleasant feelings. But then when you let go and you're starting to let go of it, this is where the painful feelings of fear arise because the mind's not getting what it wants, which is to hold on to this personal existence view. So as the fears arising in the meditation to realize non-self, just keep breathing through it, keep going, stick with it. If it gets really, really intense and it's unbearable, of course you can stop and then go back to breathing mindfulness meditation and then go back into the meditation to realize non-self. And as you do this over repeated sessions, you'll get more and more of the personal existence view eliminated to realize non-self and there'll be less and less fear, but it might actually build up to kind of a climax, be that way for a while, and then you'll kind of see it kind of diminishing. And this is helping you see that the self or the misunderstanding of the self, that personal existence view is being eliminated. Yes, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. I see Chrissy has her hand raised. Let's go to her for her question. Hello, thank you. Um, My question is in regards to substances that cause heedlessness. Um, I'm wondering if a steroid that is prescribed by the doctor for not for um, anything like naughty or (laughs) bad, but um, something to help heal the body. I'm wondering if that would be considered taking substances that cause heedlessness if it's only for like a limited period of time yeah if it's a a genuine interest to heal the body and it's a limited period of time like that and it's something that's prescribed by a doctor then it's not a substance that calls heedlessness the intention it comes down to the intention is what is the intention here the intention is to heal the physical body and a medical professional has told me that I need this and it's going to be for a limited period of time versus I'm interested to get high or I'm interested to 
build up my muscles or I'm interested to look great to other people. So I'm going to take this steroid in order to project this self-image in the world. So what you're describing, it's not with the intention to create heedlessness. It's the intention to heal. And then especially since you've added that it's for a limited period of time, then that's not cause for concern or something that's going to cause uh, difficulties related to this particular precept of eliminating substances that cause heedlessness. One thing I would like to add, though, since we're talking about this, is there are some substances that do cause heedlessness in the mind that are prescribed for us in order to address something like Maybe if it's a really strong medication for back pain or something like this, that can become addictive. That's where the practitioner has to be really attentive to their practice is that if they're getting a prescription and then it's meant for medical, it's meant to be temporary, but then it becomes more long term, that's where we need to be really aware of that and ensure that we're not allowing that to occur. And then the other thing with that is if there's a substance that can cause heedlessness, like a strong back pain medication, it's meant to be temporary and it is temporary. But during that time where you're taking it, if there's any kind of heedlessness, heedlessness is unattentiveness, unalertness, unmindfulness, unawareness of the mind. If any of this is occurring with medications that are prescribed to us, we should be extra vigilant during the time that we're using that medication to ensure that we're not causing harm to others while the mind is under the influence of that pharmaceutical prescription. Okay, thank you, sir. And Mm -hmm. um, that arises another question. Um, It actually is exactly what it is prescribed for is um, the neck and body pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I've noticed like a bit of I wouldn't say excitement, but hope. And I'm not sure if that is a discontentedness. Like it, um, it feels like, like hope and and it might be like a little attachment to the medicine. Like, oh, I just, I, um, it's been a really long time since I felt okay and not pain. I didn't know that the body was going to experience this again. Um, I thought it was just going to be painful from here on out. So it might be a bit of excitement, but is hope um, discontentedness? Hope is actually another word for a craving, desire, attachment, that when we hope for something to happen, we're actually craving, we're yearning, we're longing, and then that's going to lead to discontentedness. So if you're hoping that this medication is going to fix what it is that's happening, then there's this longing for it. And then when it doesn't occur, that's when the discontentedness arises. Or there's that excitement, right? That's the discontentedness you're talking about is there's this hope that you get the medication. There's this hope that it fix it. There's this excitement that occurs in the mind. So instead, just train the mind to be in the middle where it's like, all right, I've got this medication because I've got this challenge with the physical body. I'm gonna take it, see how it works going to do it for whatever period of time I need until I observe that it's either working or not, and then consult with the doctor and be sure that I'm being attentive to the physical body. Okay. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. I would cut off those hopeful feelings. I would cut those, cut those feelings off, try to stay in the middle and understand that not feeling pain isn't going to be permanent. 
Exactly. The, as long as you're in this human body, there's going to be pain. But what you can get to is you can get to a point where there's not mental anguish as part of the physical pain. Because when there's physical pain, there's two things that are happening. There's the physical part of it where there's the physical pain. But then when the mind's craving for permanent comfort of the body, then there's this mental anguish because now when it feels the physical pain, now there's the anguish that arises, the disgruntledness, the anger that you're feeling this way because the mind's craving for permanent comfort, thinking that that's possible, but it's not possible. So you can actually eliminate the mental anguish, which will actually lessen the pain. Because as long as the mind is longing and yearning for permanent comfort of the body, when it feels physical pain, this mental anguish is going to arise. It's going to intensify the pain because you're feeling it physically and you're feeling it mentally. But you can get to the point where you eliminate the mental anguish and you'll know that the pain's there, but you won't be affected mentally by it. You'll just know that it's there and you'll know that the pain is impermanent but also the comfort of the body is impermanent as well. And you'll just do what you need to do and make wise decisions, whether it's medication, seeing a doctor, sitting a certain way, exercising, doing certain things with the body. So you can get to the point where there's significantly diminished physical pain, uh, where it's not this intensity that you're probably used to when you were off the path and you weren't training your mind to eliminate the mental anguish. Thank you, sir. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yes. And you were 100% accurate that when those feelings of hope come in, you would like to cut that off and let it go. When you feel any kind of a rising of that excitement, if you start feeling a little bit of pleasantness starting to arise, cut that off and let it go. And you can start recognizing that as bodily sensations. That's where you become very attentive to any kind of discontentedness arising, whether pleasant, painful, or neither painful nor pleasant. And when you can recognize it as a bodily sensation and cut it off there, you're really starting to get a handle on this discontentedness because you're observing it as a bodily sensation, which is way before it becomes a feeling. And if you have the ability to cut it off and let it go, wonderful, because that's what you're working to do in the breathing mindfulness meditation is to gradually train the mind to be able to do that. So if you're observing that you're able to do those things, wonderful. If you can't, it's okay. Just keep working on your meditation and keep working in daily life to be observant of any kind of cravings that are arising, which you're labeling as hope here, and any kind of associated discontent feelings that are first showing up as bodily sensations and then try to observe them there and get rid of it and cut it off there because that's what will help you get ahead of this and eliminate it to the point where you won't even feel bodily sensations associated with discontentedness because there won't be any cravings that's producing it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Yes, sir. I see Tony has his hand up. Let's go to him for his question. Yes, sir. Uh, another, yeah, just that just brings to mind this issue I'm having with with this nerve uh, nerve problem in my shoulder uh, when I'm sitting, and I'm just wondering. I'm still having that issue, but if I slouch a little bit, then that seems to relieve the the nerve issue. Uh, but I'm not uh, practicing the sitting up straight and and, and a, a straight body. Is this 
some way I should be uh, going through this pain or to, to be able to uh, adjust to it. it doesn't seem to be uh, this nerve issue doesn't seem to be going away. Thank you, sir. Sure. If you can adjust your shoulder, like you said, and get to a point where there's no pain or a lot less pain, wonderful. And if you're able to then also ensure that the mind's attentive and alert during the meditation, outstanding. That's what you would like to accomplish. So if you can get to a point where the body's not luxurious, but it's not painful, and at the same time, you are keeping the mind attentive and alert in meditation, outstanding. So you've accomplished your goal there. So if you need to slosh the shoulder a little bit for that to occur, then so be it. That's what you'll do. This is where you can understand more of the universal truth of impermanence, right? Like the way that I share is the way that the Buddha teaches and the way that I practice, which is sitting up straight. And that is the erectness of the body in order to keep the mind attentive and alert. But not everybody's going to be able to do that, right? Because that would be permanence. So in your situation, slouching the shoulder a little bit helps you to accomplish that. And as I've mentioned to you guys before about how I use right hand over the left with the thumbs together, and I put that in my lap, and I've shared if that's ever uncomfortable, I wouldn't do it, but it's comfortable for me. But here recently, I've been having a little bit of back pain too, and I noticed that this kind of pulls on the back muscles when I come all the way into the center. So there's an occasion where I might put my palms on my lap instead of hands together. This is where when you understand impermanence and what the goal of this practice is, is to get the body comfortable not luxurious, not painful, but comfortable, and keep the mind attentive and alert. If you've got those two things going on in your meditation, outstanding. That's what you would like to accomplish. Uh, It does not appear we have any more questions at this time, sir. All right. Well, thank you all for joining for today's class and coming together to encourage, support, and motivate each other in your practice. That's one of the benefits of coming together as a community to meditate together, that you can encourage, support, and motivate each other in your practice. And remember, Wednesdays is a open questions, any questions and all questions. It's a great time to be able to ask questions and get help. And you're also welcome to post in the Facebook group, send a private message, or schedule personal guidance sessions if you'd like to do that. This Sunday, we're going to be in Chapter 23 of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Here, it's going to be the chapter on symbolism and reminders through imagery. Here is where you're going to learn all the different symbols that have been used throughout Buddhist culture in order to remind people of the teachings of the Buddha. Now that we've gone through the group learning program for almost seven months now, and you understand a good amount of the teachings, now I can show you the symbolism that was used during the lifetime of the Buddha and afterwards to remind people of the teachings. Because during his lifetime, nothing was written down, and they used symbols in order to help people remember the teachings. And those symbols are still being used today in artwork and architecture of temples and different places that you might go. You'll see some of these symbols. So if you understand them and how they connect to the teachings, it'll really make things even more rewarding for you when you go to temples and you see Buddhist artwork and things like this, because you'll kind of be able to decipher what it is that the artist or the architect was trying to impart when they were creating their artwork or the architecture. So I'll be sharing that with you this Sunday. And then next Wednesday, we'll be doing breathing mindfulness meditation together. 
in our polycanon and English study group, we're starting to get to the point where we're almost finished with volume 11 of the book series. And we're going to be moving into volume 12 pretty soon. So this week, we're going to be on Saturday in chapters 41 through chapters 48, I think is the end of the book. And then we're going to be moving in in two weeks from now to volume 12. And that program is going to be restarting again at the end of January. But really, the Polycanon and English Study Group, you can start at any time. And then November and December, we're going to be doing some special classes because the group learning program will officially be over in the way that I normally teach it at the end of October. But then for four Sundays in November and four Sundays in December, I'm going to be teaching some special classes that I haven't taught before online. I taught them at the retreat in America this past summer. And since there were people who were interested in attending that that didn't have the opportunity, I thought what I would do is teach those specialized classes online. And then we could also get recordings of them too for people who might be interested to learn this content some other time. And this content in these classes, these eight classes, I haven't written about it. I haven't shared it in any other way other than that retreat in the USA. So you're welcome to attend those classes. They're all based on developing harmony in your relationships. So if you're having challenges in your relationship with your life partner, with your friends, with your children, with your boss, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, any kind of relationship challenges over the course of those eight classes, you'll be getting content that will help you to understand how to practice to get to the point where you can develop harmony in all your relationships. So thank you all again for joining. I appreciate your dedication and diligence, all the questions that you ask. We'll see you in one of these future classes. Have a very lovely and wonderful rest of your day. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.